Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. I have some exciting news to share. We have hit 10,000 downloads. I am beyond excited. I'm just super humbled by everyone who takes time to listen to the show. It is unreal. If you haven't left a review yet, would you just pause this really quick, leave a rating, tell me in a review what you like about this show. It helps this podcast grow and find more women looking for an empowered birth experience. Well, on today's show, I have Erin and she was super gracious to come on and process her birth with me. Her baby is turning one year old this week. Happy birthday, sweet girl. This is a sensitive birth story and it was thrown off even more due to COVID. And one year ago, the hospitals were constantly changing and what, where, when, and how they wanted women to birth in that system. And moms who had originally planned to have a hospital birth, some were quickly changing to home birth to avoid the chaos, some moms chose to stay and just hope that COVID restrictions wouldn't throw off their birth. Well, Erin ended up experiencing a traumatic birth and she shares openly with us what that was like for her. She shares her story and even some redeeming aspects that came from this experience. Now, coming from someone who has also experienced a traumatic birth, we need to get better at listening to those who've had a trauma. Erin shares the importance of community that she had and that she was also able to contribute to the community through breast donor milk. So I hope you listen and you take away a few things from this episode that's helpful. If you've had a traumatic birth that you would just like to walk through, decompress, talk about, or if you would like to talk about navigating your options for an upcoming birth, you can do that by scheduling a 60-minute birth planning session with me. You can do that at bit.ly slash birth prep session. All right, well, let's get into the show. This is a different kind of podcast. I'm a different kind of nurse and a different kind of doula. Hey there, my name is Alan McLean and I wanna welcome you to the Empowered Birth Podcast. My mission here is to encourage you to strive for the best birth experience possible. Knowing full well birth is unpredictable, but also knowing that you are powerful and you are able to make the best decisions for you. You're going to get information you won't hear in your basic childbirth education class as well as stories of women and birth professionals who are stepping into their power and birthing their way. You're going to get all the information you need to confidently navigate your journey from pregnancy to postpartum. This podcast is for the woman who is wanting a natural childbirth, but feeling unsure in her ability to. She doesn't know her options and she's feeling overwhelmed, looking for a guide. Is this you? And stick around. You're exactly where you should be. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited to get to talk to you today. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? And for those of you who are not watching the video, who can't see, she has a little one with her. So go ahead and introduce yourself and we can go from there. I'm super excited to be here and share a little bit about my story. My name is Erin. My husband's name is Keith. We've been together for eight, a little over eight years now, and we welcomed our first baby, Lucy, on April Fool's Day. Um, we also have a 
crazy chihuahua named Rex, who is a wonderful big brother to this little nugget. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm super excited to get to talk to you because your story is not unlike many women this year who have given birth in the midst of craziness and chaotic and plans having to change. And so many women have had to navigate that. So why don't you just go ahead and jump right into your story? And yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty crazy. My pregnancy itself was actually pretty straightforward. You know, I had some back pain there towards the end, but no major complications. But about 30, I I feel like 32-ish, 34 weeks or so, COVID started. So I remember, you know, kind of watching the news like everybody. And I remember kind of seeing what was happening with the hospitals in Italy. And I remember kind of freaking out, thinking like, oh my God, the hospital is going to be full. I'm going to push my baby out on the side of the highway. Like, what is going on? So, you know, we kind of explored some some plan B options. And as I started going through my last appointments, things started changing very rapidly. So I, the first big thing was that my doctor was no longer going to be doing my appointments. So my last two appointments were going to be with a nurse practitioner, unless any issues arose. And then the next week it was, by the way, your OB is not going to deliver your baby. There's an on-call schedule, so we don't know who's going to deliver your baby. And then it was, oh, hey, by the way, you're only allowed one support person. So I was like left with this choice of like, so you're telling me I have to pick between my husband or my doula? Like, what is going on here? And there was some confusion surrounding that because, you know, at one point it was like doulas could be there if they were certified and they counted as part of the healthcare team. And then if they didn't, it was a big confusing mess, but also super emotional for me because I planned my entire pregnancy on having my doula and my husband in the labor room with me. So all that aside, I went into labor. My water broke at two o'clock in the morning and I wasn't really having any contractions or anything. So we just kind of hung out at home for a while. I called Emma at like six o'clock in the morning and said that I was in labor. And uh, I ended up laboring at home for about 19 hours. Uh, We went to the chiropractor, did the dishes, took some walks. And then Emma came over like four or five o'clock-ish, coached me through some things at home for a few hours. And then about nine o'clock, I felt like my contractions were at a point where it was time to go to the hospital. So we went to the hospital, we get there, I get checked in and everything. And of course, got a stern lecture about how I'd been at home for 19 hours with my water broken. But then at that point, they kind of moved past it. They were like, let's get the show on the road. Did my cervical check and I was one centimeter. So as you can imagine, my heart kind of sank because I'd been in labor all day, thought here I was just kind of ready to push out my baby and I was barely even progressed. So at that point, we opted to uh, start Cytotech. So it took like four and a half hours, ended up getting me to about one and a half, two centimeters and like 40% of face. So at that point, it was kind of facing more interventions. So we kind of had to start Pitocin. 
to get my labor moving along. And this was where my birth plan really started to go off the window. I had planned all along on having a natural birth. I didn't want any medication. I didn't want any intervention. I wanted my doula to be in the hospital with me to kind of help coach me and my husband through some comfort measures. And that was the plan. And then we got to the hospital and I wasn't progressing and things just kind of stalled. So we started Pitocin and it took a while. There was some weirdness with getting the Pitocin working. They had some trouble finding Lucy. Um, I had an anterior placenta and she also was super tiny. So they had a really hard time finding her. So not only did I have Pitocin, which is causing these crazy coupling contractions, but I also have my baby that they can't find on the monitors. So I could not get out of bed. So I labored like that for quite some time. And there came a point around hour 30 where I just couldn't do it anymore. I needed a break. I needed some rest. Tried the IV painkillers first, but they did nothing for me. So I ended up needing to get an epidural. And I conked out for a solid couple of hours and so did my husband. So we finally got a little bit of rest. Then the doctors came in, I'd say about around like 35 36 ish hours and told me that I still was not progressing and that I needed to start realistically thinking about getting a c-section so at that point I just lost it I broke down we asked all the doctors to leave the room so that we could kind of talk about things and both my husband and I just I remember just kind of started praying that, you know, whatever happened, her baby would be healthy and that she would be safe and brought into a world where she would know she was loved and cared for. And uh, we just kind of gave it to God. And at that point, I did actually start progressing. So I started moving forward and ended up contracting around hour 40, ended up contracting an infection, which Lucy also had. So we got to a point where they basically said that they were going to be closely monitoring her. And if they needed to, she would be pulled out with forceps or an emergency C-section. So I was able to eventually start pushing within one or two contractions, the whole team comes running into the room, freaking out because her heart rate had dropped from about 180 to 90 in the span of one contraction. So they ended up coming in and she needed to be pulled out via forceps. So she was pulled out. She went and got rushed to a NICU check um, and ended up being perfectly healthy. And then I had my placenta delivered and was able to do skin to skin with her. So yeah, that was my crazy hectic birth story. Yeah. I mean, and your birth story is again, not unlike so many other women, but you threw a pandemic and just so many unknowns into it and things had to change last minute. So your original plan was to have a natural birth and you had that expectation when you were in the middle of labor, what were some of the things that were going through your head when like interventions would come up or doctors would come into the room? What are some of the thoughts you were getting just as you were processing this change of plans? 
I mean, the first thing, of course, that came to mind was that I just wanted my baby to be healthy. Like, I just wanted her to come out being okay. And then there was a lot of anger. I ended up being really pissed. And it wasn't, it, none of what happened was anybody's fault. Like, it's a pandemic. You can't plan for these things. And they were doing what they thought was best. But I was pretty angry. I felt like my voice was taken away from me. I felt like the things that I planned for and expected were taken away. You know, with with your doctor, you spend nine months going to the same doctor and all of a sudden they're not there. And a stranger is delivering your baby. And it's, there was a lot of that. And I held on to it because I didn't, I didn't want to be upset about it because I knew at the end of it, we would have a healthy, happy baby. So I just kept trying to remind myself that like, you're going to have a baby. You'll get through this. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But holding on to that tension just caused me a lot of problems. Yeah. It's really amazing how stress can really impact labor. And I mean, I, I can count on both hands, how many times that I have seen a mom get to that emotional, like just release everything emotional during her labor. And then all of a sudden her baby is born. (laughs) So it's really amazing how emotions can impact that. So, I mean, (laughs) your birth was unexpected and how has it been processing that birth postpartum, how has that process worked out? It was pretty rough, at least for, you know, those first few weeks, it was really hard. Because for one thing, you don't want to admit that you've just been through this crazy traumatic experience. Like you have a newborn and they, you want them to be your priority. So it was hard to even admit how traumatic my birth truly was. And even now, it still is kind of hard to admit that because, I mean, she is, she's such a shining light. Like, she's such a happy baby that it's like, it's hard to admit that bringing her into the world was as difficult as it was. And it's just not something that a lot of people talk about. Like, it's hard to find people that can relate. And especially with like a pandemic baby, there's not a lot of people who at the time had been through it yet. And so it's, just, it's hard and scary, but it gets better. And I think, I mean, she is such a blessing that it kind of balances that out. And I have moments where I'm frustrated and angry that I didn't get the birth experience that I wanted. But then I also have moments where I just look at her and know that God's got this, that she's going to make up for everything I went through. Yeah, man. And (laughs) I just like listening to you brings back so much trauma that I had with my first birth and, and not wanting to admit the trauma. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons it's not being talked about enough is women are afraid that if they admit that their birth was traumatic, that it would somehow diminish the appreciation that their baby is healthy and happy and here, but it doesn't, right? Like you can still admit and you can still say, this is what happened and this is how I feel about it. And yet be so happy and thrilled that you have a beautiful, healthy baby. So as you've been processing this, how old is Lucy again? 
She was born in April. She is a little over eight months. So this past eight months, have you heard anything from people who may not have been the most supportive thing as you're trying to process this birth? Or have you had a lot of support going through as you're processing this? You know, I've been very, very lucky in that I do have a great support network and it's a blessing that I do not take for granted by any means. I have had a couple of friends that had babies pretty close to when I did. And both of them had pretty easy in comparison labor and deliveries, but neither one of them discounted what I went through and were supportive and listened to me cry. And I mean, even you, I sat down and zoomed with you and just bawled. And it's, you know, I've been very blessed that I had a good support network. I think the things that you hear sometimes are just that, you know, your baby's healthy, so it's fine. Like, it doesn't matter. Your baby's fine. Your baby's fine. And it's like, well, my baby is fine. And I love her more than anything, but I'm not. Like, this was scary. This was hard. This is not what I planned. This is not what I wanted. This is not okay. And so, like, yes, she is healthy, but I also need help. (laughs) Yeah. Like you matter too. And I think that is so such an important point to bring up is that yes, after a baby is born, it's so exciting and so happy, but the mom should not be forgotten about. She just went through this amazing transformation, whether it was traumatic or like the best moment of her life. She's not the same person as she was before this baby was born. And to really listen and appreciate that experience and just be there and hold that space postpartum because I, and I'm so glad to hear that you've had a support system who will just listen and just be near and help you process. And I think one of the most healing things through birth is talking about it. So if everybody who has experienced this crazy pandemic trauma birth <laughs> um, would ta- start talking about it, there may be a lot of healing that comes through that. So you have been a crazy, awesome breastfeeding mama after your birth. Can you tell me about your breastfeeding journey and how that's kind of even impacting your birth experience and in processing that? Yeah. So breastfeeding was also an adventure. So Lucy, a few hours after she was born, ended up in the NICU. And so she was only there for a couple of days. It was pretty minor NICU stay. But because of that, while I was in the hospital, I got very, very little time to actually practice nursing with her. She was also born under six pounds. So with her being born so tiny, we really struggled getting her to latch. So I worked with at first I worked with the uh, lactation consultant at her pediatrician's office who she was a great person. Like she really tried hard, but I just felt like the support I was getting from her wasn't great. Lucy was super tiny and had a hard time latching and the lactation consultant, it would take her about 15 to 16 tries to get Lulu latched and she would have to do it for me. So I would get home and couldn't get her latched. So I remember coming home one day, just sitting in the chair, just 
crying, feeling like a failure because I couldn't breastfeed my baby. So then I went and I switched lactation consultants and was like, here's the problem. The first one was she was a great person. She meant well. She didn't teach me how to independently do this. So I'd get home and I can't feed my baby. So I ended up starting with a nipple shield. And then once she got to a little over eight pounds, I was able to transition off of that. And breastfeeding has been great. I have a very highly food motivated baby. So she loves nursing and it's, I love it too. It's very peaceful. I find it very calming now that we've gotten to a point where I can successfully do it. The other super exciting thing that I was able to do is that I had a big oversupply of milk. So I've actually also been a milk donor. And I just a couple of weeks ago donated my thousandth ounce of milk, which has been super exciting for me as well. That's just awesome. I love that so much. (laughs) And it's so interesting too. I'm taking this birth trauma course for birth or trauma informed professionals course. And it talks about that after a traumatic birth, it can either go one of two ways. Either women just totally give up on breastfeeding for various reasons, or they really latch on and enjoy um, the breastfeeding experiences, they feel that it's healing and it's bonding. It's, you know, kind of helps replace what they missed out during birth. And I know I resonated with that as well. So I love to see that journey to healing through breastfeeding. But on top of that, donating that much milk. I mean, what has that done for you? What was that like? I don't think we talk about milk donor enough. I know I I don't know much about it. I just know how cool it is. So can you just explain a little bit about how that works and yeah, what that has been like for you? Yeah, so it first started because we have a really tiny freezer. So I was pumping and would have so much extra milk that like we ran out of room. So I was finally at this point of like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't want to waste it, but like there's only so much we can do with breast milk baths and things like that. And I still have 200 ounces in my freezer. So I had talked to Milkworks and they have a donor program through a milk bank and I had to go get a blood test and stuff to be like an official donor. And I was like, this is too much work. I just had a baby. No, thank you. So I ended up finding a Facebook group that's just local for moms in the Omaha area. And I ended up finding a couple of moms through there. So my first mom, I donated just around 250 ounces and she just couldn't breastfeed. She wanted to be able to, but she just couldn't for whatever reason. So she really relied on donor milk. And so I donated this milk to her and she was super appreciative of it. And then same thing with the next mom that I found. She, it was the same thing. She was older and just her milk never really came in. And so I donated about 150 ounces to her and same thing, just, you know, she had this desire to give her baby breast milk rather than formula, but just couldn't do it herself. And then the mom that I've been donating to recently, I've been able to donate to her several times, which has been super exciting for me. And her story, she, her first baby, she was able to breastfeed and actually had an oversupply and was a donor. 
and her second baby, she was doing really great at first. And then within the span of a week, her milk supply just totally dried up and went away and she wasn't able to breastfeed her own baby anymore. And so she really just relied heavily on donors. And I was able to come in at a point where she was kind of cutting the breast milk with like cow's milk and goat's milk to stretch it a little bit longer. So through my milk, she's actually gotten to a point where her baby has been mostly on breast milk for almost a year now, which is something that she wouldn't have been able to do for herself. How cool is that? I just love what you do. I think that's amazing. And that just is shows community, right? And how important it is to have a community around you to support you um, through all different seasons. So thank you so much for sharing your story and your heart and just how this process has been for you. Uh, I really think it's going to resonate with other women. So thank you again for coming on the show. Wow. I am just super thankful for Erin's heart and her authenticity as she shared her birth story. I encourage you to listen to other stories and find courage to share your own with safe people. So let's find healing from our births, whether that be two weeks ago or 20 years ago. We all deserve to unpack and release the trauma. I want to invite you to come join other moms who are searching for an empowered birth experience. You can do that by going to our private Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash empowered mama's tribe. You can come unpack your previous experiences and get real answers to real questions. We don't mess around in that group. So I cannot wait to see you in there. And thanks again for listening to the show. Stay empowered. Thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. I'm so excited to have you a part of the movement. And if you haven't joined our private Facebook tribe yet, go to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Empowered Mamas Tribe. We would love to have you there and a part of our community. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast.